Hi. Welcome to Still in the Storm. I want to start out by wishing you a happy new year. I know that seems ridiculous being that we're three weeks into the new year, um, but since this is the first um, video that I've put out so far in 2023, I thought it was fitting to at least start by saying happy new year. Um, yeah, I want to apologize for not putting out any new content in a while. Um, it's been since, uh, right before Thanksgiving and I had, uh, I had fully intended to continue to, or to start putting out some, some new videos before the end of the new year, I didn't know how much I'd get out, but I had intended to start, and then, uh, just like the best intentions go, uh, they got completely sidetracked when my kids all got sick in rapid succession of each other, and that pretty much chewed up the first two-plus weeks of December. Um, by that point, we just decided it was best to just relax and enjoy <laughs> Uh, Christmas and the end of the year together, uh, take some quiet time, get everybody healthy, and then uh, kick off the new year with a with a bang. Hopefully, hit the ground running. Um, so I apologize for not having any new content in a while. Um, and I really am excited to hit the ground running this year. Um, I am very optimistic despite some of the dire projections for 2023. Um, why, you might ask, are you nuts? Uh, maybe, but I think we have to be optimistic. The goal here for me, and I hope for many watching, is to try to lay the groundwork for a better future, for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, that's what this is really all about. It's a, it's about those future generations. And um, if we just cave into fear and and dark projections and 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 things, um, that that only seems to serve those who are trying to get us to fail in in this endeavor. Um, we've we've got to find a way to stay positive and optimistic, despite. Uh, all of the the craziness that continues uh, around us as the storm, so to speak, continues to rage. And that's why I think it's one of the reasons why I named this Still in the Storm. In order to um, to continue to fight, to, to have any chance at, at um, paving a better future, we've got to find our still in this storm. We can't allow it to get to us. It's It's too easy to be swallowed up by it if we allow the fear to take hold, allow ourselves to be manipulated. So we got to stay strong. And uh, so I'm going to try to be as positive as I can. I want to hit the ground running in 2023. Um, I've got a lot of exciting stuff planned. More on that in a second. I want to just start, before I go any further... I want to provide a very brief um, reintroduction in case you're tuning in and you're like, who is this guy and why should I care? 
you know, being that I haven't put out content in a little while. Um, so I am a scientist and you might say, okay, well, that's all well and good, but that doesn't tell us anything. Um, well, I have 20 years of experience doing research in a lab at a bench and I have experience in virology, biochemistry, molecular biology, cell biology, um, electrophysiology, immunology, oncology, and more. Um, I've been very fortunate throughout my career to have had the chance to be exposed to a lot of different scientific disciplines, and it, it made me very unique in the, in the industry. Um, most of my career was spent working in pharma and biotech, and so I was very unique in an industry where a lot of scientists were highly specialized to have gotten a very diverse training um, was, in my mind, a, a, a great benefit. I don't know if everybody saw it that way, but um, I think now it certainly gives me the ability to approach things from kind of a different vantage point. Um, and so that's why, uh, you know, I'm I'm speaking out. I'm, I'm hoping that this experience can lend itself to the greater discussion both about COVID and, and quite frankly, so much more, and that that will be something that will be valuable to you. Um, how did I get where I am right now speaking to you? Um, well, most recently I was in the biotech industry. I was working for a small biotech company in the immuno-oncology space. So I was developing antibodies to treat cancer. And um, in September of last year, 2021, my company, my former company, joined the entire industry pretty much in enforcing a COVID vaccine mandate. Um, based on my deep Christian faith, as well as a lot of research that I did, I made the decision not to comply. They followed up by making the decision that I should no longer have a job or really for that matter, a career in that industry. And so they showed me the door. Since then, I have been speaking out. I've done more than 30 interviews um, discussing things, all things COVID, as well as sharing a lot of insights and truth about pharma and um, the current state of scientific research in general. I think this is incredibly important as a lot of people have never had the opportunity to see what really goes on in pharma in these labs. Um, and it needs to be exposed. When you don't realize what goes on in there, it you become susceptible to to be preyed on because then when you find out things, when certain things are released, they have a greater shock factor than they might otherwise. And you might think that something is new because you're just hearing about it when in reality, these are things that have been pervasive throughout the industry for many years and we just it just hasn't been well known enough. So I, I want to try to do my part to expose as much of this as I can and, um, and also to hopefully provide some valuable solutions because we can share and expose the truth ad not, you know, for like crazy. But if we don't provide real meaningful solutions for people, where do we go from here? How do we forge a better future? 
then I think it's kind of it's all for nil. I mean, um, it's certainly important, but we we need to go further. So that's a little about me. That's how I got to where I am. Um, again, as I said, I've got a lot of exciting things, at least in my opinion, uh, planned for this year. I want to put out a lot more content. I have compiled a very long list of questions that you have given to me uh, very in various places, whether it's here in this Still in the Storm substack or on Twitter or other social media places. Um, I've compiled a very long list of questions, and I'm going to start with with one today, but I'm going to just continue to work down that list and also build in some other topics that are of interest to me that I think are, are valuable. If there's ever anything that I, you don't uh, hear, you have a question, you haven't heard the answer, again, provide, please put a comment. Uh, let me know if I, I, I'm going to try to prioritize these things based on kind of the, the number of times I hear them. If I hear the same question over and over and over again, that, will kind of tell me that it's important, it's on people's minds, and I'll prioritize that. Um, otherwise, it just gets, there's so many questions and so many things that I've been asked about that it gets hard to prioritize. Otherwise, if you don't, if you, if I have addressed something, but maybe not exactly in the way that you'd like, or you want me to go deeper on it, again, indicate that below. I'm, I am I really, this, this is largely driven on what is, valuable to you. So I, I'd i like to ask you to help me help you by providing me feedback, feedback and, and input um, in the comments below. You know, let's, let's make this a valuable resource together. Another thing I have going on is my solution. Uh, I'll be launching uh, what I'm calling Science Defined, and I'm extremely excited about this. It's... Um, it's going to be a great new resource that uh, my hope is will make science more approachable to anyone and everyone, regardless of what your background is. So stay tuned for that. Uh, I'm working very hard to get that ready to launch and go live, uh, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. Um, if you follow me on well, here uh, and also on my social media, you'll you'll get updates there. Another thing you can do if you want to be updated is go to the website, sciencedefined.com. You you won't – it's in the process of being built and tested um, on a on a staging site. So you won't – you'll see a placeholder there that just says, welcome to Science Defined. We're in the process of building our platform. But below that is a banner that says, join our community, and that has links to all of our uh, – all of the Science Defined uh, social media pages. So if you go ahead and follow us there – that's another way that you can stay tuned and stay up to date. So I'll, I'll try to provide updates across as many different places as possible. Um, just stay tuned. I'm super excited for this, and I can't wait to share it with you. Um, and I, I'm going to get it going, get it out as, as soon as I possibly can. So on to the question of the day for today, for this week. Uh, this was a question that... I've received in some way or another a number of times from a number of different people, so I thought it was a good thing to start off with. Also, it kind of uh, touches again on why I am here, uh, which specifically the the COVID vaccines. Uh, 
So the question was, based off of data that you've looked into, what are your main concerns with the COVID vaccine? Um, like I said, this is something that, well, this is how I got where I am today because I didn't comply with the COVID vaccine mandate at my uh, former company and they showed me the door. And I basically said, you know, when this, when this uh, is brought upon you, we may not ask for this, this sort of thing to happen to us. But when it does, you know, how we respond is really what defines us. And so I've, I decided to speak out. Um, how do you, how do you respond to something like this, right? How do you evaluate and research um, a new, what I would say would be experimental treatment? You know, I'm not even going to, I hate to even give it the attention of calling it a vaccine because I don't really believe that's appropriate. Um, but it is one of those things where I felt as a scientist that I needed to do, I mean, at a minimum, my own due diligence to understand what is this thing. Um, I have a young family that I am responsible for, and I couldn't take this decision lightly. As I indicated, part of the decision was dictated by my deep Christian faith, but also as a scientist, I wanted to really evaluate this with an open mind and critically and look at what is this technology, what you know, what data is out there um, in terms of it being tested previously, if, if at all, and um, what is the potential with this and and you know, is, is there any plus side or is it all just questions and red flags? And, um, and so I, I dug in and I did what I believe is my due diligence on it. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. When, uh, in the weeks after I was let go, I was talking to some recruiters trying to figure out if it was possible to, um, salvage, my career, even though I kind of knew that it was, I didn't really want to go back into industry, but um, I had some recruiters reach out to me and I remember talking to one of them um, and this person said, why didn't you just take the the, the vaccine? You, sh- you should have known better. You know, this is all of industry. How do you, you know? And I said, well, I took, I didn't take it because I did know better. Because I am a scientist that has integrity, and I did question it, and I did do my own research, and the conclusions that I came to were that it wasn't something that I was willing to take a risk on. Um, and so let me start with that, with with what I came across, and and why, kind of what were those things that led me to not take it, and then I'll hit some other. Um, hot topics as well. So my one of the first things I encountered when I started looking into specifically the mRNA uh, vaccine technologies was that this was something that I had that was very similar to technologies that I've used throughout my career to engineer cell lines to create proteins of interest that that I want to study, that I want to test drugs on, um, where you you take a piece of nucleic acid, 
usually DNA, um, in something known as an expression vector, and you insert it into a cell, a cell line, and then it will express a whatever protein is being encoded for there. Um, well, you have to get that DNA into the cell. If I just throw DNA onto cells, it's not going to be very easily uh, or efficiently taken up into the cells, and it'll be eventually degraded. Um, although DNA is more stable than RNA, but just for the sake of for the sake of discussion here. So what we do is we do something. We utilize a procedure called transfection, and this is something that enables uptake insertion of that DNA. You could do RNA, different kinds of RNAs. I've done all different kinds of nucleic acids where you get them into cells for different purposes. Uh, and one of the ways in which we transfect cells is using a lipid-based reagent that basically forms uh, what could be described as a lipid nanoparticle around the nucleic acid facilitating entry into the cell. So I said, whoa, this is effectively what they're looking to do here with this is they're looking to use lipid nanoparticles to encase this modified messenger RNA, mRNA, to facilitate its entry into cells. Um, that's transfection, effectively, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a form of that. Why would you want to do this to humans at period at this scale with limited testing? I, I, I couldn't wrap my head around that, right? Um, you know, and so what I started to understand was I wanted to, I looked into how are they modifying this, this mRNA because RNA itself is very short lived. It's very, there's a lot of, um, uh, these RNAs, these are enzymes that break down RNA. They're they're all over the place. The RNA is very difficult to work with because it's because it's short lived, it's unstable. Um, so you have to. I mean, if you didn't modify it, it wouldn't persist very long. You probably wouldn't get a lot of protein production. So that's why they're modifying it. Well, in turn, in, when they modify it, it persists a lot longer. mRNA is highly immunogenic, meaning it evokes a, an immune response. Um, if you had naked mRNA without the, the lipid nanoparticle and you had it persisting for a long period of time, you would evoke a strong response that would not be particularly good. Um, so the lipid nanoparticle kind of shields it from that while also delivering it into the, into the cell. And then in theory, that you're hijacking the cell's protein-making machinery to produce this spike protein. Um, but then again, the mRNA is persisting for a very long time. And you have to ask, okay, so then if it's persisting for a long time, what is what is happening to it? Many people suggest, is it being converted back into to, uh, DNA and then integrated into the genomic DNA? This is theoretical. I haven't seen anything that's convinced me that it's it's actually possible in a living human. I've seen papers that have um, tried to make the the claim that this is occurring, but again, they're, but they're using these immortalized cell lines. These are cancer cell lines that grow in dishes that are not at all representative of what goes on in a living human. Um, so I'm not sure. I'll have a little bit more on that, but I'm I'm not 
sold on that. So, you know, I started to see these things, a lot of red flags. And, and as I started to understand what this technology was and how, and, and relate it to things that I had done in the lab. And I, right away, I was saying, thinking, this is not something with a limited amount of testing that anybody should just take. This is, this is highly experimental. Um, mRNA, as I delve deeper into mRNA technology, I realized this is something that basically is next generation gene therapy, right? So gene therapies have been around for a while. It's something that, you know, where they've tried to express a normal type of a gene that's um, mutated or, or, you know, had some defect in it that leads to a, a disease. Uh, and they think if they can put a normal wild type gene that will express a normal fully functioning protein that that will restore things and will be healing or curative. Um, it's, it's failed spectacularly. Most, uh, a lot of the testing done on gene therapies has resulted in uh, deaths, cancers. It, it's not been successful at all. So if there was a new way to do this, obviously people would be excited about that. And that's what mRNA therapeutics was, was all about a new way to kind of a new spin on this that they hoped was safer, more efficient, obviously better outcomes. As I dug into it and looked into what was this, what, what has been done in terms of testing this in clinical settings? Um, and, and how did that, how did that go? Uh, Again, I found more red flags. So I looked at Moderna. They had done some partnerships with, uh, you know, initially they wanted to look at these therapeutics for cancer and for some rare diseases. They went into some clinical trials and got uh, as far as like phase one, like um, safety toxicology testing. When they introduced at a dose that should have been therapeutically relevant, they ran into massive dose limiting toxicities when they dropped down to a dose that was able to mitigate some of those toxicities they didn't they didn't see an effect so basically they didn't get past those early proof of concept safety tox trials they had no proof of concept they had raised a tremendous amount of money they needed a proof of concept they needed a way to get regulatory approval along comes COVID switching this from gene therapy to vaccine, changing the definition of a vaccine and boom, you've got an easy path to regulatory approval and you've got a proof of concept that will enable them to then be able to open up their entire pipeline for more vaccines, more therapeutics, bada bing, bada boom. So you start to see what's really going on here and you start to see that there's, there's no precedence for this being successful to unleash this on this scale with this limiting limited amount of testing, um, considering what this is actually trying to do, there there's just was no there were too many red flags and not enough rationale, in my opinion, as a scientist, to to do this on the scale that they did. Um, even if you want to argue that, well, maybe to benefit elderly people or people that were more supposedly um, susceptible or whatever. Again, it's still wildly untested. It's still a, an incredibly experimental technology. Um, and being the fact that the, the track record going into this was so poor and that 
you probably wouldn't have had any path to regulatory approval had it not been for the ability to pivot to a vaccine. You know, that I think that tells you a lot. Um, so, you know, those are the big things that I that I saw as I did my research on this. Um, as I was mentioning, there were there are people that have tried to harp on this idea of that this thing is being reversed back into um, DNA and getting integrated in the genome. There was a Swedish study that came out. Um, I reviewed this paper. I'll post the link to it. It was in a previous post on Still in the Storm. Um, I just did not think that the methodology nor the data was conclusive was was sufficient enough to draw the conclusions they were making. And so I would invite you to look, take a look at that. You'll see hopefully what I mean. If you have more questions, again, please ask them and I'll be happy to kind of dig deeper into that. Another topic that people have brought up is about shedding. I just haven't seen enough conclusive data, conclusive studies to show that this is what's really going on. And by shedding, I mean, the implication is that these people that are being vaccinated are producing high levels of the spike protein, which may or may not may, you know, be occurring, but then it's being released from their bodies and shed right to somebody else that they're around. And then they're picking it up and it's having impacts on them. Um, again, this is a hard thing. We're talking about tiny, tiny, tiny proteins. I mean, if you're at all in the realm of questioning viruses, contagion, this is e- this is even more difficult than that. This is a little tiny protein. So, I mean, I would need to see clear, concrete proof. Um, I've studied a lot of proteins and things. It's not a trivial thing to have something like this occur. So you, you, I, I think there's a burden of significant proof that's required before we accept this. Um, could there be other things going on, though, that you perceive as shedding if you happen to be around someone that's vaccinated and then you have some weird effect? Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of potential explanations for that. And again, I can dig deeper into that at another time. Let me know if that's something you want to know more about. Um, but shedding, I'm just not entirely convinced there. Um, but I, but, but again, but I have an open mind. I'm, I'm willing to keep an open mind. If there is conclusive data, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, to review it. Um, but I just know that that's something that people have asked a lot about. It's a hot topic, shedding, 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 shedding. You know, if you've had experiences you know, uh, then it's very real to you. If you've been around people that are vaccinated and you've not had anything, then you're kind of going, what's, I don't get it. I think it'd be really interesting to know whether or not, if if you did this, if you had a situation where you didn't know you were going to be around someone that was vaccinated, say blind it, and then see if you still react. You know, is it because you already, you already know and you've developed certain pre, you know, thoughts, anxiety, um, you know, is it a psychosomatic thing or, or is it truly, you know, if you had no idea you were around someone that was vaccinated, would you, would you still have some symptoms or something as a result? I don't know. I mean, I'd be, I'd be curious, like those are ways you could study this in a more controlled manner to better understand if, if it's, if it's real. Again, you still need to understand, is there actually protein that's 
you know, spike protein that's being passed back and forth or something. And, I, you know, again, that, that would need to be conclusive. Um, the last thing I want to mention is there's a lot that's going around about what's in the vaccine or what's not or what's, you know, what's being observed under this kind of microscopy or that. There's a lot of interesting things that people are bringing up. Um, I'll certainly dig more into that because I have some thoughts about that, but I don't want to waste time here. But a lot of that, again, is small sample sizes, only a couple of vials. You know, we need to be careful. It's interesting. It might be real within the setting of those couple of vials. But if you analyzed 100, 1,000, whatever vials, would it would it still stand up? That's the that's the real question. Uh, so I'll I'll expand I'll, I'll expand on that. If you have questions related to those to that sort of thing, let me know. But what we what we can know is that there is this massive number of people that are having significant issues with these vaccines, um, debilitating issues, and even deaths. Um, and we see that just in the VAERS data, which is a passive system, so it's not not everybody is. Right, is you have to you have to intent, intentionally file into that, so it is massively underreported. But just looking at that data, we're seeing a massive uptick in the amount of significant side effects and deaths, and that should be alarming to anybody. If we actually factor in what might be the real number, it's it's almost unfathomable. It's it's heartbreaking and and unfathomable. And so, I mean, there, despite what may be confused as certain conspiracy things about the vaccines that are being talked about. I think we need to unpack and, and evaluate those things closely, but nobody can mistake the, the data that's out there in, in these kind of systems. This is real. You probably know people that have been impacted by this. Um, you know, and so I just want to end by saying, I, 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 I thank God that I had the the courage to say no, but I know a lot of people that that have had circumstances that they felt, um, you know, pushed them into doing it, and I, I just pray for everybody that that was pushed into this situation, you know, or that are, that did it and are having incredible regrets, or that are that are injured, that have lost loved ones, um, you know, I I I just pray that you're able to stay strong, stay as healthy as you can, um, that God just keeps you safe and guides you through this. It's probably going to get worse before it gets better, but there, there is, um, we, we are going to get through it. I know that. Um, and this is why we have to be, why, you know, why we have to be positive about, about this year, because this is gut-wrenching. We're, we're, we're seeing our friends, family members, loved ones go through this, and we, we can't approach that with, with a sense of anger and hostility and, look, we were right. How could you? You took this thing. Now it's all on you. You know, we need to have compassion, um, and we need to forgive those who, who put us in these situ- situations. Never forget. That doesn't mean forget. That doesn't mean let people off the hook. But it, but for forgive and and if I can forgive the people that ruined my job, my career, you know, I think anybody can. Um, so you know, 
I, I think we need to be strong. We need to be to be um, to not stop asking questions. We need to use tremendous discernment, and we just need to keep fighting. And of course, no matter what, no matter what, don't ever, 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 ever trust or stop questioning the science. I want to thank you for tuning in. Until next time, God bless and out for now.